Greetings, this is Leon Armstrong, the founding pastor of World Overcomers Ministries Church in the city of Madison, Mississippi. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Living Truth Broadcast. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us on the web at woministries.org. If you are visiting in the Jackson, Madison, Mississippi area, you are welcome always to be our guest. You can locate us at 444 Pebble Creek Drive, Madison, Mississippi. It is our prayer that you are richly blessed by the Word of God. Please receive now our word for today. Enter into the Word of God uh, to Genesis 32. Uh, Genesis 32. And we welcome everyone here this morning. We welcome everyone streaming live streaming live audience God bless you for being part of this uh, worship service we're still talking about inheriting God inheriting the Lord inheriting God and we uh, we were able to go and start from the fact that uh, God told the Levites not to inherit with the rest of the tribes of Israel but that he announced, he said, the Lord is their inheritance. The Lord is their inheritance, so there's a higher inheritance. We're not called to chase after everything that everyone else is chasing after. We're called to chase after God, the best of the best of everything, of anything that can be a blessing is found when we chase after God rather than to chase after the things that God can provide. We have an inheritance in God, and we ought to inherit God himself. And we've been looking at various pictures throughout the Old Testament that will demonstrate uh, the, the pictures. We've talked about zeal, and we've talked about just having that steadfast focus to seek after and run after God. And I pray that we can lift this, and you're hearing this morning that as we read from uh, verse 22 in, ver in chapter 32 of Genesis, if you have it, say amen. And this is concerning Jacob, and you all know the story of how he wrestled with God and his life story. And so we'll pick up at verse 22, and it says, And he rose up that night and took, two, uh, took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford uh, Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over uh, that he had. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and has prevailed or has overcome. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. He blessed him there. I'm going to stop uh, there. So this is 
concerning the fact that he demonstrated a spirit of overcoming. He prevailed in wrestling with this supernatural being, uh, this angel, this representative uh, of God. And many of you know uh, the story of Jacob and, and the things that he went through. You ought to know what Jacob means. It means supplanter. It has to do with uh, the ability to con and to cheat and to do things in such a way in order to stand in a position of being blessed. This man really, really desired to be blessed really, really, really bad. And even from his birth, uh, he was born as a twin. And his brother Esau was born just a moment before he was. But as the birth of Esau comes forth, Jacob is holding on to his heel. That's what makes him a supplanter because he's attempting to remove and take the place of his brother because he wants to be born first. There's something wired in him that he wants to be in that position of being the firstborn, of being in position for the inheritance. He, he has something in him that he wants everything that God has. He wants to be the blessed one. And, and, and so a, a supplanter is different from a substitute. A substitute is someone who will function or act in the place of another. But a supplanter is someone who will illegally stand or usurp or take the position of another. It's almost what we would call today identity theft, where people steal the identities of others in order to stand as that person to spend their credentials, their money, their credit. And, and so Jacob uh, was a, a man who, who conned his way. And he was always, uh, as we saw, he wrestled with an angel that night, but that was not uh, indicative of just something that transpired that night. That was indicative of what has been happening his whole life he was wrestling with God and with man. He wrestled with his brother because he wanted his brother's birthright. I don't know how he could just make the proposal that, listen, I know you're hungry, brother. When his brother came in from hunting all day in the field and found nothing and he came in hungry, he wanted some of Jacob's food as he was cooking inside the tent and he proposes, I'll give you some of my food if you sell me your birthright. That seems so, so uh, disjointed, so unfair, so unequal uh, in value of an exchange to say, give me your, some of your birthright and I'll give you some of my food. But that was Jacob. That was the way he was. He was constantly trying to reposition himself so that he could receive the blessing. And eventually, he did receive the blessing because as his father grew old, the old father would call the sons in before his death. He would lay hands on the oldest son to confer the firstborn blessing, which was a double portion. And then he would be able to bless Jacob with what he had as a secondborn son and so forth and so on if there were other sons. But Jacob, under the tutelage of his mother, uh, went in and uh, disguised himself and put on fur because his brother was a hairy man and he put on animal skin so that his father who was blind would feel after and say hey are you my oldest son you feel like it but you don't sound like it but because he was trusting what he felt he ended up conveying the blessings to the firstborn on to Jacob 
So Jacob not only coerced his brother out of his birthright, but he also stole his blessing. This man was always wrestling. He was always supplanting. He was always conning. He's always putting himself, trying to get a hook up the way he operates in his thinking and what he wants. He, he has it all negotiated. He has it all schemed out in the tactics and methods of his mind. And, and so uh, he, he, he goes on and he, he not only wrestles with his brother, he wrestles with his father in duping him. And then he moves on on the run to his uh, uncle Laban or his what would be his future father-in-law. He wants to marry his youngest daughter, Rachel, and then his his, he ends up getting duped himself. You know, now his, his uncle or his future father-in-law has made a deal to say, work for me seven years and I'll give you my, my daughter to marry. Well, he works seven years and then he ends up finding himself in the bed with the oldest daughter rather than the youngest daughter. And he said, hey, wait a minute, what have you done to me? And the father tells him, he says, listen, it's not our culture to allow our youngest daughter to get married before our oldest daughter. So you got to take her first. So now you got to work another seven years to get the youngest daughter. And he does so. So he, now he's being uh, supplanted. He's being duped. He's being conned. And so he works another seven years, finally marries Rachel. And then he's being conned again, but this time it prevailed for him because now he works another six years uh, to get the flock that he, he, he so desired. And after 20 years of being hidden on his, his father-in-law's land, he takes flight. And he wants to immediately, he's, he's had enough, seems like, but he wants to immediately resolve the issue between his brother. Because now his brother has some 400 men working for him as soldiers, as warriors, and he knows somewhere his brother's gonna find him. And he's so fearful, and he's full of anguish. I've got to resolve this. And so he wants to send gifts to his brother. He wants to send cattle, and he wants to set it up to where he can split up his family. Because now, it wasn't just him as a single man on the run. It was now he had acquired wives, and handmaidens, and children. And he splits them up, and he's fearful that his brother may kill them. And so he, he sets up one more scheme, one more method, one more tactic in order to try to bring his brother to peace. And he, 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 he doesn't know he's at a point of transformation. I want you to understand transformation. When we have gone through all of our, our ways, we, 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 this man had power with God, but yet he didn't know how to live in it just yet. He didn't know how to trust God. And so there comes an end. There comes a point where transformation must happen. If you're really going to inherit the blessings of God, we have to die off and have to come to an end of our schemes and of our tactics and of our methods and of our ways to try to bless ourselves. If God has promised to bless you, don't you know that God will bless you? And don't you know that if God has put your name on anything that is a blessing, that it belongs to you and no one else. And so you don't have to scheme or you don't have to negotiate. You don't have to try to plan and have methods of waste or arrange your life in such a way that you guarantee yourself to be blessed. All you have to do is humble yourself, walk with the Lord, obey his word, and it will prevail on your behalf. But we don't get that right away. 
we, we have to be we have to be a process through this we have to run our head against the wall we have to get into situations where it comes back that our plans end up being trouble for us or we get in situations where our decisions have somehow tripped us up and then we have to backtrack and then put ourselves back into prayer and back into trusting God when we started out that way but somehow God didn't move fast enough for us so we took it upon ourselves to make things happen but then when it didn't happen and it backfired then we go back to running and crying to God can anybody attest to that this this morning that, that I know I've, I've been there and, and God has to wrestle with us he has to the, the word wrestle here means to pound into the dust this man came to a place called Jabok and Jabok has to do with a place of emptying it is also a place of wrestling down to nothing it's where dust a lot of dust is and, and so dust is the smallest almost common denominator of anything that is material. It, it will be reduced to dust. It's a picture of being made humble, back to the dust. And a lot of times our lives have to be processed back to the dust, to the dirt, to be made humble. It's a wrestling that our schemes and our will has to be wrestled down through time and through running into dead ends and, and running into God and trying to get God to do something that he has already planned to do, but we're trying to do it our way. We have to grow weary of that sometimes. And God has to get us to the point where we're tired of working our own plans and we cease to lean into our own understanding and in all of our ways, we start trusting in the Lord who shall direct our paths, amen. And that's a beautiful place to get to. And so wherever you had to wrestle with God, wherever you have to get to, to where you come down to dust. I don't know, some of you might be in a wrestling match right now. Yeah. Some of you have been living all these years doing your thing in the name of Jesus. And it hadn't worked out for you. But Jesus has a plan for you. It's called let go and let God. Amen. It's called getting in his word so that you can trust his word. Instead of getting excited over a good word from God and then wanting it to happen right away. And as soon as you come under some trouble, rather than forsaking that word, stand on it. Something's going to happen to you. Something's going to transform inside of you. You have to develop a track record of standing on the word regardless of the trouble or on the time it takes to get the promise. Time proves all things, ladies and gentlemen. Time proves all things. You don't have to rush God. If God said it, it's going to happen. You don't try to speed up the process. It is going to happen. And so you'll have to kind of allow God to bring you down to an emptying. And it may take a wrestling match uh, to go through this. Because you don't want to stay in the place of living after blessings illegally. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You don't want to have, be a person who is a new creature 
in Christ. Jacob had power with God, but he was trying to take the place of another man. He was trying to stand in the identity of another. How is it that we are born again people, born again spirits, seated in heavenly places, new creatures in Christ Jesus, but we continue to stand in the place of the flesh. We continue to stand in the place of self-centeredness, where we try to do things out of our own will. Don't you know you gotta come to that place where you say, nevertheless, not my will, but what? I will be done, all right? And, and I, I, you know, I like to ask people, I said, well, I'm not, I'm not even going to ask that because that's, that's, that's more of a private conversation. <laughs> uh, but here, Jacob, here, look at uh, verse 24. He says, and Jacob was left alone. And I tell you, God, he'll get you alone. Yeah, 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 he'll get you alone. And he, he knows, you know, okay, now it's me and you, buddy. And uh, we, we got some things to talk about. Yeah, you fooled everybody else. But now let's get some things straight. He, he'll get you alone to where you, you'll pray and you'll talk. And you'll humble yourself. And, and there wrestled a man with him. Now it says a man here. In another place it says an angel. But I do know this is a representative of God and we can say it's God himself. Amen. And you'll have to wrestle with the almighty God. You'll have to rep wrestle with his representative. But notice what happens anytime you wrestle with God. And he says here in verse 24, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. Verse 25, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And this was not just a physical wrestling match. I want you to know that this was happening because this man fell asleep in this place. This was a spiritual wrestling match. And a lot of times what we go through spiritually will affect our physical lives. I'm here to tell you. And, and in this, this, he was made in this wrestling match to, to where this supernatural representative of God just touched his thigh and it popped out of joint because he would not he would not let go. He hung on. He would, could not throw him down, as it were. And, and it's kind of, you got to understand how God wrestles, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But it's it just one thought appeared to me that, that if this man had this kind of God-like power, this is God he's wrestling with, and if he can just touch the thigh and it pops out of joint, don't you think that he could make this man let go? So you have to understand God wrestles with us for a different reason. He's really not trying to see it, uh, get him to let go, but he's trying to see how far he will go to hang on. 
And God will process you. And you'll have to understand, you'll have to go through things when you start chasing after God. There are things that you'll have to let go of, things you'll be severed from, things you'll be cut off from, ways you used to walk and ways, things you used to, places you used to go, you'll have to stop. It, it put a change in his walk. He could not walk the same. It dislocated his joint in his thigh. He could not walk the same way. And don't you know when you chase after God, you cannot walk the same way. You'll have to walk up rightly when you come to the living God and you come after him. He'll show you how to walk up. He'll show you how to go in the right direction. He'll show you how to get off the crooked courses and come off of the, uh, uh, of the indecision of valleys and to send up to the high places with him. God will correct your walk by dislocating your old walk to give you a new walk. Amen. God cuts you off from going back to where you came from in the name of Jesus. And so anytime you try to go back to that old way, it, it, it's not going to be right. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be smooth and graceful. You'll be reminded, I, I'm not supposed to even walk in this. I'm not supposed to be thinking in the flesh. I'm not supposed to be thinking like I'm some pomper or somebody that doesn't know God. I'm not supposed to be acting like someone who doesn't know the word. I'm supposed to walk in that word. I'm supposed to believe God. I'm supposed to live after the spirit and not after the flesh in the name of Jesus. I can't walk after the flesh. It's crooked. It fails. It'll cause me to trip and fall. Cease from your labors and take your rest to walk in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't walk the same way. So he, he, he popped that joint out and it hurts. And you can't put it back in place. And you can't go back over the Red Sea that you just crossed over because it closed up on you. Amen. You are not supposed to go back to where you came from if God delivered you. You're not supposed to live in the same attitude or the same way of thinking. Because I'm telling you, this is all about learning to get the mind of God to learn how to think like God. And we'll get to that later. And God has to transform us here. Amen. He dislocated his walk. I remember, have you heard my testimony when we came and God moved us from Atlanta all the way to Mississippi, y'all? <laughs> and, and, and it was, I'm telling you, it was, it was something I'll never, ever forget. We had our lifestyle. We had our jobs, making our money, living in suburbia, Atlanta. You know, we had built our lives, you know. Had my career, she had her career, I had my own business. I was thinking I'm gonna be a million dollar businessman. I was, that, was, that was the course I was on. I'm gonna write my books and do motivational speaking. I had my course laid out. You know, my uncle died in, down in Hazelhurst, Mississippi. We planned, come to the funeral, went to the funeral. Family members said, you know, his sister's gonna sell that land down there, it's about 34 acres, and she's gonna move to Chicago. She's a widow now, so she's going to Chicago with her sister. She said, why don't y'all buy that land? I'm like, us, we live in Atlanta, why would we buy that land? And lo and behold, after talking it out and the Lord somehow directed our hearts, I can't trace that back. I don't know how we even started talking about that as a possibility. But next thing you know, we were adding up all the pros and cons 
as to why we can make that. And I had convinced myself, well, if I'm going to start a business, I can do it online and I can still make the income and I can still go back to Atlanta and serve my accounts and make my money. Okay, we can do it. And little did I know that God was using that as an opportunity to strip and to cut down and to call me into the service of the ministry. And the trips I made back and forth to help my auntie move and then to, after the house was empty, to paint the house and do the landscape and get the, re the house ready so we can, I can move Janet and Devon uh, over. And in the process of my being on I-20, the Lord, I promise you, his presence sat in my truck while I'm driving down I-20. And he said to me, first he showed me all the people I knew that had passed away in the last three years, and it was about 33 people. And he said, I want you to feed my sheep. That's what he said. He, he, I, I remember that clearly. And, and, and I said, yes, Lord, and I was in tears. And once we made the move, Everything was about focusing on, okay, you want me to feed a sheep, but I don't know what to feed him. Lord, you're going to have to teach me. went through all of that. And I can tell you, everything in that year, that first year, we lost everything. We lost my pension. We went through all of our money, all my business, all my accounts shut down at the same time, everything. We were stripped down to nothing. See, don't, don't, somebody said last week, you know, I think it was Brother Earl saying, don't, don't look at me and think everything was all right. You know, you might have looked at me and thought everything was all right. But, but we, 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 we lost everything. We were eating, what were we eating? Beans every day, uh, rice, uh, and, and bread, and water. That was our daily meal. And so I, I literally, when I said, Grace, thank you, Lord, for my daily bread, because that's what I ate every day, all right, and water, all right? And so we went down to absolutely nothing, and God says, I'm going to you. He took everything away and said, you built that in your own strength. But I'm going to teach you how to live in my word. And every, from that day forward, after that first year, we went through eight months of struggle, of absolute struggle. And we practiced the word. Everything we learned, we put it to practice. We started sowing. We didn't have money. Somebody would come and buy the spirit, come give me a $100 bill. I'd turn around and give it to the Lord, give it to the church. Because I was in a mind, God was teaching me how to sow. He was teaching me how to give. He was saying, I'm going to teach you how to live by my truth and by my word. Now, you're going to go a little sweat and it's going to be a little hard now. You're going to look like you're living in a wilderness. And, and sure was. You know, you should have saw me. I was a little skinny, big-headed man with a raggedy beard and an afro. And I looked like a wild man, like I come out of the wilderness. You know, uh, it was a hard way. It was a hard time. But the Lord was from the inside transforming my thinking, my mind, how to think according to his word. He was revealing his truth. He was speaking to me. And every time I opened up this word, I fell in love with it. I started getting to know him and hear him. And I would not back off of it. I started falling in love with Jesus for the first time in my life through this word during that period. I'm telling you, when God is leading you, you're going to go through something to be an overcomer. It's going to be transforming to you to get the mind of God. Amen. Amen. He's going to teach you what it is to love him. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 26, and he said, let me go. This is, the, this is God. Saying, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Now, that sound, again, we, we brought the point that says, listen, God says, let me go. I want you to understand something here. 
When God says, let me go, let me come down here. When God says, let me go, he wants you to hold on. Because it's a, it's a test of love, it's a test of romance. When Jacob got the glimpse of how much God loved him and wanted to bless him, that he didn't have to do the things he was doing anymore, his, it was like he grabbed a hold to hold on for dear life. And though he says now, when God says, all right, now you see me, let me go. I'm leaving, I'm gone. And he says, no, I will not let you go till you bless me. Hey, let me tell you this. God will oftentimes want to pull back. As soon as you see him, he'll want to pull back because he's provoking a response in you to see if you love him or not. Because the issue is not how much God loves you. God has loved you completely, perfectly before he created the worlds. He already knew you because you were in his mind. He already called you by name because he was going to bring you forth in time and he loved you to the max from day one. So the question is not how much does God love you? He loves you. And even while we were singing, oh, how he loves me so, yeah. But now the question is, how much do you love him? Do you love him enough to say, when he says, let me go, I'm getting ready to leave. No. No, I'm not letting you go. No, no, God, I'm not letting you go. You see it in scripture. When, when Jesus was walking down the road to Emmaus, and he was concealed, they didn't know who he was. He's listening to their conversation, and then he corrects them in all of their negative conversation. He starts to expound to them what really happened in the death and resurrection and all of that. And, and, and after they have walked away, and they're hearing the truths that Jesus is sharing, and their hearts are burning because of their revelation from what Jesus is sharing. And then they reach their house, their destination, and the scripture says Jesus acted as though he would continue on. It was like, okay, see y'all later. And they said, no, come on in here with us, man. I'm not letting you go anywhere. Come on in the house with us and talk to us some more. Come, come on in. They wouldn't let him go. Are y'all listening to me? When, 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 when Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and everybody got offended at that. And Jesus said, it said of the 70 that they turned and walked with him no more. And Jesus said, well, he turned to the 12 and said, you can go too. And Peter said, no, no, you're not, uh-uh. No, we're not going from your presence. You're the one who has the words of eternal life. There's not going to be a separation between you and I. All right. That it's, it's love. It's will you, are you willing to let God go because, listen, because your plans didn't work? That you fall away from God because your schemes, your tactics, your methods were wrestled down to the dust and they were nothing. But now you see God face to face. Will you say, now God, it's me and you. I love you. I thought I was going to achieve this through my way, but now I have to achieve things and wait on you. Will you hang on to God or will you stop worshiping him or will you stop praying to him? It's all in how much you love him. And I'm telling you, the more you love him, the more God's going to show you how good he can be. Because there is a grace. Everybody say grace. There is a grace that abounds to those who love the Lord. 
I'm telling you, he gives grace. He gives grace to a lot of people. He loves a lot of people. He loves everyone, but there is a, an abundant grace to those who say, I, no, no, I'm going with you. I love you. You know, God, you're not getting away from me. No, I'm going to stay close to you. Even if I don't hear your voice, I'm staying with you. I love you. All right. And I, I'm not letting you go. And, and it, 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 it just continues. The pictures continue when they were even the disciples were on the ship. Storm is blowing, water everywhere. They're thinking they're going to die. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. And the scripture says that he walking as if he would have passed him by. See, Jesus likes to act like, oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. But see, if you sit there like, well, but, but, but God, I'm, you said you, you shall not pass me by. What's that old song we sang, Earl? Set past me not, O gentle Savior. <laughs> but we sit there perched up like, you you know, pass me not, O gentle Savior. No, no. You, you, hey, God, I, come here. I need you. I'm not letting you go. And if either, you, he, either you're going to grab a hold of him or you're going to run after him, but you will not let separation come. This is the same thing, Song of Solomon, the Shulamite woman, when she had had a nice encounter with the king and, and then she was looking for him. And he came and visited her. And then she said, I think in chapter 3, verse 4, she says, I will not let you go. Go back and read that sometime. She said, I will not let you go. It shows that you love him. He will act like he's going to walk away. But you'll have to stop acting like the red carpet is being rolled out for you and act like you're desperate for him and say, no, no, no. There's not going to be a separation from me and you today. You got to act like you want God. Amen. Y'all get the picture? Because it's love. That's why scripture says all things work together for the good of them that what? Love God and are the called according to his purpose. If you don't respond in love to God, all things won't work together for your good. Promise you that. That's not, I hear people saying that all the time, but that's not true for all Christians. That statement is not true for all Christians. It's only true under the condition that you're so in love with God that you say, I'm not letting you go. I'm going after God. Now, when you're a person that has that determination that, God, I love you, all things will work together for your good. Every bad thing, every good thing will work together for your good if you love God. Isn't that wonderful? So even if you trip and fall, even if it looks like the job is lost, even if it looks like the house has to be foreclosed, it's still going to work together for your good. Amen. Don't y'all want something to work together for your good? I'm telling you, it's when you fall in love with God and go after him versus everything. The Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is my inheritance. I'm not chasing things. The Lord is my inheritance. Amen. Come on and give the Lord praise. Eyes have not seen, ears, neither ears heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that the Lord has prepared for them that what? The question is, not how much does God love you. The question is how much do you love him. I've got a lot to say, but let me give you five points on transformation. 
because whenever you inherit God, you are inheriting the way he thinks. You are inheriting, it's, listen y'all, it's not just your faith. I know we tell people to have faith, have faith, have faith. But it's not just your faith that's in question here. It is your mind. It is your thought life. It's not just your faith because your faith has to have a mind to stand on. If your mind is not being developed, strengthened, then your mind will cause you to waver. So that's why people can start off in faith and say, okay, I'm gonna try God's word. And then when things get hard, they bag off and then they go to their own remedies. And then when that doesn't work, they run back to cry to God. So they're going back and forth wavering. And the scripture says, let any man that is wavering, let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. So you wanna be steady, steadfast, unmovable, the word of God says this, this is what I'm standing on. Your mind is being strengthened through time, through process. Your mind is being transformed through time, through process, through patience. Let patience have her perfect work. What is the work? The work of patience is that your mind is being solidified to learn how to think like God. Amen. Otherwise, you'll trust in your own ways. You'll trust in your own uh, ingenuity. You'll trust in your own plans. And you'll run into great disappointment because your plans will continue to bite you when they fail. Number one, in God, inheriting God is a process of transformation. That's kind of the heading of it. But number one, it is the transformation of renewed thinking. It is renewed thinking, transformation. It is the transformation of renewed thinking. And if you want to, he's putting it up on the screen there. Number two, there's a difference in this world because the difference is not conforming or conforming versus transforming. You don't want to practice what the world does. The world practices conforming. When you conform, you're conforming to uh, the herd or to the crowd. If the crowd is wearing this and you conform to it, or if everybody's doing this, you conform to that. But when you transform, when you're walking with Christ, transformation happens in your thinking. All right? Transformation happens in your thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is she. Listen, as you think, listen, everything in your life will come as a result of how you think inside. Everything that you experience and what you have in your life is a result of how you think. All right. So you don't want to be conformed. That doesn't bring a real change. You want to be transformed. Number three. Wearing the identity of Christ. Wearing the identity of Christ. That's where you'll find grace abounding. The more you learn about Christ and what he did for you, that's the knowledge of grace. 
The more you learn the knowledge of grace, the more grace happens to you, the more favor falls upon you, all right? You will be surprised that the more you walk in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, how much favor and goodness comes into your life, all right? You'll be, I'm telling you, it'll blow your mind. The more you walk in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, So you don't want to wear the identity of your flesh, because a lot of Christians wear their flesh identity. They're, they're used to wearing the identity of who they are as a man or woman, or they're black or white, or, or they're, they're whatever they think they are in their flesh. But I'm telling you, you don't want to have pride in that. You want to have the identity of Christ. You want to become very mindful that you are of Christ, okay? Number four, revelation prevents thought or mind recession. Revelation prevents mind recession. In other words, revelation is enlightenment to the mind so that once you see who you are or you see the truth, it's hard for you to recede back to what you didn't know. Once you have come into light, it's hard to go back to ignorance or darkness. Once you have had a revelation of what it is to be free, it's hard to think like a person in bondage again. You don't go back to thinking the way you were once revelation comes to you. All right. A person that gets a revelation of how to be prosperous or, or how to be a good steward with money to where they always have it, uh, can't go back to the ignorance of what it was not to know about money. You, it's hard, it's almost impossible to recede back to the way you used to think. All right, revelation uh, uh, helps that. You don't recede back to an old mindset. You don't, once new wine is inside, you don't go back to old wine. Amen. Once you become and you have a revelation of what it is to be a victor, someone who wins, you don't go back to thinking like a loser. Amen. Okay. And then the last uh, is five, transformed to prevail. So that's where you prevail. Jacob prevailed in his transformation. He prevailed. All right. He over, the word prevail means to overcome or take the victory. So the more that you take on the mind of, of God, you're going to find out, I, I promise you, you'll say, man, now that I'm, my mind is being changed and transformed, I, I'm starting to see that overcoming happens more often versus when I didn't know how to stand in the word of God. And I was believing and believing and had faith, but my mind was not renewed. And so I was believing, but it didn't happen. I was praying, but it hadn't happened. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? I'm trying to bring you up to where you see yourself. See, God has, has called you to enter into transformation with him. He wants to give you his mind so that you can win 
regularly, time and time again. Too many defeated Christians in the body of Christ. Too many defeated Christians. So we're living to be, to prevail. We're living to prevail. We're living to overcome. We're living to get past whatever the enemy brings. So we don't wrestle with ourselves all the time and wrestle with being that old man. Paul already told us, don't wrestle with flesh and blood. He says, you're going to be wrestling with principalities. There are devils trying to hold you up as it is. You need to have a mindset that is like God so that you can prevail of over all of the tricks and the schemes of the enemy. He's already scheming against you. You don't need to have an improper scheme in your thinking. You need to have the mind of God to where you will do things by the word and according to him and learn how to wait on the Lord. Everybody say, wait on the Lord. That, that's one of the hardest things to discipline ourselves to do is patience and to wait on the Lord. It is through patience that transformation occurs. And so victory is already yours. God, you already have power with God. You just need the skill set, the mindset uh, to exercise it and to see it prevail. You already have the victory with Jesus. You just need the mindset to see it come to pass, to exercise it so that to strive with it. You already have everything you need in this born again spirit. It's already there. You need a mind to go with it, to be aligned with it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I promise you, as the word promises you, you will overcome. That's why Jesus said, you shall have tribulation. Where? In the world. But he says, be of good cheer. I have already overcome the world. Everything that we're going to overcome has really already been overcome by Jesus. He's just trying to train you to put on his mind so that you can walk it out just like he did because he's already done it. I love the fact that those little those lions over in Africa will train their little cubs how to hunt uh, by simply finding a little gazelle or deer and not killing it, but maiming it just a little where that little thing is limping. And they'll do that and cause and, and just shove the cub over that way to say, now go after it, chase it out. And, and knowing that that little gazelle can run, but can't run as fast, they're training that little cub to hunt and come out with its built-in urges to, to be a hunter. And so that, that cub will then chase it and play with it and take it down and then let off. And then the mother push it back so that it can go ahead and chase it again just to bring out those natural tendencies to hunt. There's something that is natural in you to put your foot on the devil's head. There's something in you that will cause the devil to flee and run in your voice of faith if you learn how to use it. But the Lord wants to put you in a situation to where you learn how to exercise these things. That's why trouble comes. That's why you have a little sickness to come every now and then. To exercise your mouth, to exercise your faith, to put on a mindset to confront this thing. 
God will allow you to have some discomfort and some things that will challenge you so that you can exercise that faith muscle so that you can develop what is already implanted and infused in you as a born again spirit. That's why you can't be lazy. You can't sit up and say, somebody please pray for me. You better grab a hold of what God has given you and use it because if you use it, you will see it prevail for you. The more you see it, the more you'll want to see it. The more you use it, the more you'll want to use it. But you got to use it. You have got to use it. You have got to use it in Jesus' name. If an army is going to arise, an army has to be in training. No army is going to prevail if an army is not in training to think and to fight and to war. An army trains, you have to enter into the training and fight the good fight of faith. Fight with your faith. Fight with the word of God. Fight with what God has given you. You're not meant to lose, you're meant to win in Jesus' name. And this is time for winning. It's time for winning. It is time for winning in the name of Jesus. No mountain will move unless you speak to it. No mountain will get out of your way unless you open your mouth. And even if it doesn't move right away, it's at least a start to say, let me see if I can say something to this mountain. Let me see if I can say it again and say it again and say it again. And you say, I'm not letting go because sometimes it's not going to move. Let me see if you're going to let this confession go. Let me see if you're going to let it go. You've got to get a mindset that says, I'm not going to let that go. I'm not going to let God's word go. I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to keep saying it. It didn't work for me yesterday. It didn't work for me today, but I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to keep saying it. That's how you have to be if you're going to overcome, if you're going to change and be transformed and put on the mind of God. Because God never, ever loses. And if this is your father, if this is your daddy, and your daddy never loses, what about you? You're not meant to lose. That's what that should tell you. In the name of Jesus. Stop acting like you're supposed to lose. Stop thinking you're supposed to lose. Just stop thinking that. Stop assuming that right from the jump. No, that's, that's ridiculous. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. You are meant to win. And God's just waiting on you to finally realize that. Overcoming is about transformation and transformation sometimes comes through wrestling wrestling daily against the things that are trying to conquer you can I say one more thing what do you do when negative thoughts come what do you do when negative thoughts because they, they come I don't care who you are I don't care how big your faith is negative thoughts will come to your mind anybody know what I meant saying say amen Come here, DQ. This is what I do. Just to give you a visual. And I saw this years ago. Stay right there. Now here I am living my life. I'm learning the word. And here comes, you're not negative, but here comes Mr. Negative Thought to tell me what's not going to happen. It's no use to have me look at other people who are blessed and say, why are they blessed and I'm not? Why they having it good and I'm not? 
why do I still go through being mistreated, but they're not being mistreated? So, you know, all of these thoughts that come. And so God, I, I, I remember this picture that I saw. And the thought is to take this negative thought, come here, since you keep coming to me, I'm gonna take you, come here, let's go up here. I'm gonna take you to, the, to Jesus, to this cross. My Lord died for me right there on that cross. And he said, I am an overcomer. He said, with his stripes I'm healed. You're saying, I'm not healed. So I'm going to talk to Jesus and Jesus, he's saying, what you said is a lie. I'm talking to my negative thoughts. And I'm exposing my negative thoughts to Jesus. And you know what my negative thoughts start doing? Just go, go, leave. Amen. Every time you have a negative thought, expose it to Jesus. Expose it to the word. It says to bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. Whenever you expose negative thoughts that are attacking you to tell you how to feel and what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, to get you down and feeling bad, take it to the Lord and say, Lord, look at this thought. This thing is going directly against what you said. This is going directly against what you said. Lord, what do you have to say to him? And then you know what? The more you do that, what starts to happen is you start saying what Jesus was saying. And you don't have to keep taking your thought to Jesus because now what Jesus says is what you say. And so when that negative thought comes and it will come again, you tell it, you're wrong. This is not gonna happen. What you said is not true. You are empowering yourself. You are empowering your mind to be strong in the face of circumstances and negative spirits because they are all around and they will speak in your ear and they will get in your heart and they will get in your mind and you have to have a strong mindset against all of these forces that are speaking to you so that you can stay on your course of victory. Because if you start listening to things that devils say, it'll push you off course more and more. You'll bag up more and more. You'll get away from what God is saying more and more. And next thing you know, you aren't making any progress to overcome at all. Is this helping anybody? Give the Lord praise then. If it's helping, give the Lord praise. I mean, I just don't want to see you give up or become victimized. It's easy to celebrate and find courage in an environment where the Word of God is. But my concern is for you is how are you responding out there? in your house, on your job? How are you responding out there? When you're riding home from work and you had a hard day, how are you responding? When you're hearing the nagging of a spirit that's telling you your boss has done this and done that and they didn't you know, speak to me or they you know, cut me and they, didn't, they, they did this wrong against me and, and, and feeding and fueling those negative feelings, how do you respond? You need to start thinking like an overcomer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The fight is on, ladies and gentlemen. It has been on. It's on. 
But see, one of the things that God gave me when he stripped me of everything, he stripped us down to everything, of all things that we had. The one thing he gave me was an overcoming spirit. He drilled that in me. You, you don't know all the things that I went through with the Lord. He gave me an overcoming spirit. And, and, and this, is, this is why he gave me the name of this church. Because he says in these last days, he's raising up a people who would think like overcomers and will overthrow the devil in the name of Jesus. So I just want you to know that because I know what the Lord has cultivated and is cultivating in my life is being cultivated in you also. I know good and well I'm sitting in front of overcomers in all of you. I know that I am. I can see it in you in Jesus' name. I can see it in you. I know you, you wouldn't be here if that was not the case. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't the case in the name of Jesus. So you might not see yourself right away. You might not feel like it every day, but I'm telling you who you are and you need to start acting like it. It's gonna shock you when you start acting like it and you start to see some things prevail and some victories come and some, some, some doors open up for you and you start to see darkness flee from you and it was trying to snare your family or your child and, 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 and you start to open your mouth and say, this will not be. Or you start to speak peace in your home or on your job. When you start to open your mouth, you're going to see more and more that the spirit of the living God is with you and that you have power with God and you shall prevail. I see it in the name of Jesus and you need to celebrate and thank God that he's raised you up to be in the kingdom for such a time as this. You are that army that the Lord is raising up. You are that army that will cause chains to fall off. You are that army that will cause devils to fall out of their high places. You are that army that will wrestle sickness and disease and send it back to hell where it came from. You are that army. You need to open up your mouth. There is a prophetic word in you. That is a word in you that will come forth and it will conquer. It will prevail in the name of Jesus. There is an authority that you're sitting on, but you've got to grow up in that authority and learn to live in it and speak in it and you will see the salvation of the Lord. I'm telling you, see yourself, tell yourself who you are and act like it in the name of Jesus. It's all what's happening in the mind. Don't look at what you have or don't have is happening right here in your mind. As your mind accepts it, I'm telling you to happen all out here. It comes from right in here. God is waiting on your mind. He's waiting on your mind. You better believe it. You better see it. You better say it because it's happening right here. If it happens right here, it'll happen out here. No one can explain it, but that's just the way it is. If they want to trace where your victory comes from, they're going to have to do an interview with you and see what's inside and what's between your ears because it's the strength of who you are is right in here in Jesus' name. Come on and give the Lord praise in his presence. Hallelujah. Some of you are about to get out of debt because you're thinking that way. Amen. Some of you are not going to have a money problem because you're, you're learning to think that way. Whatever you think, that's what's going to come. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I, I wish I could show you the imagery of it, but God has made it so that what is in the mind, what is in the mind, the strength that is in the mind, is going to be the thing that will happen in your life. So guess what, y'all? Don't let your mind be small. Don't let it be small because you'll have small results. But if you start off small, that's fine. If it worked on a small level, now let's increase this thing. Let, 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 let's lengthen the cords.
let, let, let's stretch the tents out. Let's make this bigger. Let's think on a larger scale. Let's think stronger. All right, let's think like God. Oh, how dare you? No, how dare you? Let's think like God. Amen. If, if, if God says you think like me, it'll happen. That it might seem arrogant, prideful, but I, I, I just say it's, it's all in the family. <laughs> it's all in the family. Because if my father, you don't understand, this is my father. This is the way he thinks. How did you learn to think that way? Oh, well, I've been talking to my father. Amen. Come on, y'all, stand up. I, 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 I'm, I wonder where you at. Let's do a confession in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for my mind. Thank you for the gift of thought. Now, God, help me to change and transform my mind, my thinking according to your mind. Your word in Jesus' name. Nothing shall be impossible to me because I think it's so. Healing is possible to me because I think it's so. Overcoming is possible to me because I think it's so. In the name of Jesus, every devil, every negative thought, every thought of depression, every thought of defeat, I cast it out in Jesus' name. It's not who I am. It's who the devil is. He's the father of lies. I shall not believe him. That's for others to do. But I am your child, dear God, and I think like you every day in Jesus' name. Oh, come on and give the Lord a praise of victory, a praise of victory, a praise of victory. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!